Hi, I'm Grant Armstrong, and I get to serve as directing pastor here at St. John's United Methodist Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. We exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Our desire is to be a beacon of faith and service, focusing our passions and gifts to reflect Christ's love to the world. You're invited to join us each week at 9 a.m. for a time of traditional worship or at 11 a.m. for contemporary worship. Thanks for joining us for this online version of the sermon. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 24 through 27. Jesus is teaching, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So for those of you who may not know me, my name is Morgan Marshall. I just graduated from Edwardsville High School. And next year, I will be attending Rockhurst University and plan on studying exercise science on the track of pre-physical therapy. Many of you have probably never heard of Rockhurst, so why would I choose to go there? Besides their good academics and getting to play tennis, a big contributor to my decision was their service aspect. At Rockhurst, for part of our orientation, we get to go out to the surrounding community and do a service project. There will also be many opportunities throughout the year for more service projects. I even got a scholarship for my service, and in order to get it all four years, I will continue my service, which is perfect for me. Through St. John's, I have learned how important service is to me. Started out when I was young, when my mom would always bring me to help at Twigs. I remember one year I made bracelets and sold them at the church to raise money for the meals. Because of my parents, I have always been surrounded by service, whether I knew it or not. We often were helping in the mission garden or at VBS or during Sunday school. Out of all of my service opportunities, my favorite one so far would be one that I got to do on my own, my mission trip to New Fane, New York. Lily Armstrong, Cammie, a friend of mine, and myself joined another church in Bloomington to go on this trip. I was already very nervous because I barely knew anyone and on top of that, when we got there, we were all split up into groups with the other churches that were there. This group that I was put in would be my work group for the rest of the week. The whole week, we painted the outside of a man's house. Yes, I learned many handyman skills for the next time I planned to paint the outside of a house, but I also learned much more than that. I learned how important relationships are in everything that you do. The relationships that you build with others will have a huge impact. Because of that, I have made some great friends that if I didn't have this amazing opportunity, I would have never met. So I wanted to say thank you to St. John's for helping me discover something I am passionate about and I can continue doing as I move on to the next stage of life. 
Thank you very much, Morgan. And uh, I'm, I'm very proud of our graduates, proud of Morgan. My regret is that COVID has robbed a couple of different mission trip opportunities for her, and I know that that's been a part of her heartbeat, so I'm really grateful that she gets to continue to live into that in her future collegiate career. That really does make a difference, and uh, really grateful for our students who are sharing this morning. Uh, we're going to talk about worry a little bit. It was just, I guess irony is the term. I was driving to the church this morning just admiring the beauty of this day, and it was really just gorgeous out as we were on our way in, and the, the lines from the song that starts the musical Oklahoma just came to mind. I was pulling up to the church singing, oh, Oh, what a beautiful morning, oh, what a beautiful day. I've got a beautiful feeling, everything's going my way. And at that moment, I thought, you know, what's going to happen? Now that I've said that out loud, what's going to happen? Right after the children's moment in the first service, power outage. Yeah, power outage, which means that like all of the tech in this space for streaming, for lyrics and all that good stuff, just shut down. And that was a really good test right out of the gates of whether or not I was serious about this worrying business, right? To see if, you know, that actually what I had spent time with preparing for this week had an impact on my life. So that's kind of fun. We, we're going to spend some time beginning with our Jeopardy question. You know, we are going to start each different message over the course of this series with a little bit of Jeopardy. And so we're going to get into that. Our topic for the day, the category for today, is U.S. Post. And so, here is our answer. On this day in 1920, the U.S. Post Office no longer allowed the mailing of these by parcel post. And if you, if you think you know the answer, go ahead and shout it out. No longer the mailing of these by parcel post. That is correct. What are babies? Yes. Up until 1920, you could mail babies by parcel post because it was cheaper if they were under 50 pounds to send them by mail than any other form of transportation. What could possibly go wrong sending a baby by mail, you may ask? Well, the post office probably figured that out, which is why in 1920 they stopped doing that. We're, we're going to talk about worry a bit today, and that's not a coincidence. As new graduates are entering into a very uncertain world, as our students live into a time very different from what many of us were raised in, we might spend a moment now and then fretting and worrying, even if we're not sending out our children by mail. But even with good reason for concern, Here's a little bit of what worry can do to us, according to WebMD, which is fine to use here since I'm not clinically diagnosing anybody with anything. There is a fight-or-flight response system that causes our body's sympathetic nervous system to release stress hormones such as cortisol. And these hormones can boost blood sugar levels and triglycerides, or blood fats, that can be used by the body for fuel. The hormones also cause physical reactions such as difficulty swallowing, Dizziness, dry mouth, fast heartbeat, fatigue, headaches, inability to concentrate, irritability, muscle aches, muscle tension, nausea, nervous energy, rapid breathing, shortness of breath, sweating, trembling, and twitching. Now, when excessive fuel in the blood isn't used for physical activities, the chronic anxiety and outpouring of stress hormones can have serious physical consequences, including suppression of the immune system, digestive disorders, muscle tension, short-term memory loss, 
premature coronary artery disease and heart attack. Is anybody feeling more worried now? We're now worried about what worry can do to us, but it's time to relieve some of that. Did you know that due to its frequent use, the Federal Reserve estimates that the $10 bill is the Treasury note most likely to tear the quickest among the bills that have been issued for public use? It takes roughly 4,000 double folds to tear the material on which our money is printed, and it turns out that tens reach that point on an average of 3.6 years. So even our money gets stressed, but it's also the number one stress for most people still today. Above every other sort of stressful concern, it seems like money is the, the concern over uh, health, workplace, family, and other issues that are central that might trouble our hearts. It's probably not surprising to know that money worries, financial worries, have been around for a really long time, and this morning we're going to hear a little bit about what Jesus had to say about that. And that takes us to our first lesson this morning. We're trapped when we make anything other than God our master. We're trapped when we make anything other than God our master. Verse 24, Jesus is teaching, saying, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and serve money. I just recently read from theologian Leonard Sweet. It was in 1979 that Bob Dylan sang, You Gotta Serve Somebody, as a bit of a sign of his conversion to Christianity. John Lennon, who is skeptical of any particular ism or any particular worldview, shot back with a song that he penned in 1980 called You Gotta Serve Yourself. And these perspectives from a couple of genius musicians and songwriters were in obvious conflict. This passage that we read this morning confronts us with a thought. We are either serving God or we're serving something that is not God. And so that probably leans more towards Dylan than Lennon. Something is our master. Scripture drives that home to us in a few different ways, but especially in light of what Jesus has done for us. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Rome, Don't you realize that you become a servant of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you're free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves, servants to righteous living. Have you ever met somebody who has battled an addiction? I get a terrible, almost debilitating headache when I go a day without a Diet Coke, and that is on the light end of addictive chemicals. But have you ever seen somebody who's coming off of cigarettes or coming off of an addiction to alcohol or narcotics or even things like gambling or other habits that are harmful? Those addictions, when they start, usually feel like some sort of a freedom. I'm 21 now, I can start drinking, which is sadly a little bit naive today. Or these cigarettes can help me take a break so I can slow down my breathing and get seven minutes of just me time. These things start off feeling pretty good until, over time, they own us. We're trapped. What started off as a tool turned into a fairly merciless master. Jesus here is telling us that money can do the same thing. It's a tool. It's not harmful in itself when it's held loosely and kept in proper perspective. But it becomes a pretty horrible master if we let it enslave us. The Apostle Paul is writing to his young mentee, Timothy, 
saying it's for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. In Matthew 16, Jesus is saying, And what do you benefit if you should gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? People step out of their faith when money becomes their boss, when it becomes their master. Money can be a great tool in the hands of the disciple, but when that is flipped around, people will cheapen and profane themselves simply to make more. How much money is enough to feel secure? How much money do we need to feel like we've arrived or like we're able to be generous? And for folks who let money become their master, it's always more, just a little bit more. And here's what I think is the saddest part. I usually find that folks who are willing to sacrifice their own souls for money will also sacrifice the souls of others to make sure their own interests are protected. And I think that absolutely breaks God's heart. Here's the second lesson from this morning's scripture. Walking in trust undoes our worries. Dwelling in our worries multiplies them. So walking in trust undoes our worries, but dwelling in worries multiplies them. Jesus goes on to say, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food, your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? When I was serving a more rural and agrarian congregation, I discovered that farmers spend a lot of their time thinking about planting, harvesting, storing, transporting, and marketing their crops. They would have a lot of grain to move, and it would take a lot of work and a lot of planning to move it. Now, Jesus wasn't speaking to commercial farmers when he was addressing people here on the sermon. There may be some landowners in the crowd that he was addressing, but there's a good chance that more of the people were laborers. They don't own the land, but they did work it. They would get paid, but that payment was never a certainty. It was a subsistence living. And Jesus was telling these folks, even if they were living hand to mouth, that the lure to keep up with the Joneses is still pretty powerful. So Jesus told them to think about the birds. Okay, we'll think about the birds. There's a, a song I've heard. And it's a, a beautiful song that I've heard at funerals and at some incredible different ceremonies. It's called His Eyes on the Sparrow. And no matter how often I hear it, it's reassuring to me. The lyrics say, Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. For his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he's watching me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he's watching me. I sing because I'm happy, I sing because I'm free, for his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. And I've heard Hazel Laux sing that song in this congregation a number of times, and I, I love it. I love it partly because it's just a beautifully composed song. 
but also because those words shift my focus away from the size of my fear, shift my eyes away from the apprehensions, and shifts my look instead towards the faithfulness and goodness of God. See, God has not failed his creation. God has not failed to provide. God has not failed to love or care for us. And I'm not a graduation speaker or anything, but students who are heading off into some great unknown can trust that the same God who brought you this far has not brought you to this point simply to abandon you. Things may not go exactly as we like or as we plan, and we thank God for that sometimes, but things will always go in a way that can help us to be shaped more and more into the likeness of Christ. Our third lesson. Worry is a thief and a murderer. Worry is a thief and a murderer. Verse 27, Jesus said, Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? We want them to. We want to think that by clinging to a greater sense of control over our lives that we can prolong our lives. We think that maybe if we can catch an ulcer, God is able to do God's job better. But that's a comforting lie that we tell ourselves because so many times we're just afraid to surrender. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says, If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. In John 10.10, Jesus says, The thief has come to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come so that you may have life and have it to the fullest. Put in simple terms, worry is the work of the thief. It's got no business taking up residence in our minds or in our spirits without paying rent. And so in very practical terms, I'm going to offer some scriptural steps to counter worry that I find from Philippians chapter 4. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Philippi. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your minds and hearts as you live in Christ Jesus. And so we're just going to have four simple things that can help us to find calm in the midst of our worry. And the first one starts with a C. It says, catch worry early catch worry early. When I worked with children who had severe behavioral and emotional disorders, we looked at physical cues as a part of countering anger. If the children started to sense that they were clenching their fists or teeth, or they started turning warm, or if their breathing became shallow and their heart rate raised, then they could start doing some things to de-escalate their anxious response. They could let their mind guide their body's response. And that's true for all of us. We get to be mindful. When our thoughts start circling the toilet bowl of worry, then we can catch them. If our shoulders start to tense or if our stomach starts to churn or however it is that worry manifests itself in your body, you can catch it early and then take the next steps to de-escalate that worry. And our next step starts with A, activate prayer. Sometimes we turn to prayer after things have already gone nuclear. Dear Lord, my worries have ruined my entire day. I've made a mess out of everything. I've turned every molehill into a mountain, and it's only spread. Help me undo it. But instead, we can quickly bring those things before God to name the worry and then confess it before God. Lord, I would really like to pretend I'm in control of this situation, but I know I'm not. It's not going to do any good. You are in charge, God. Help me to find 
your peace. Help me to find your pathway through this concern. And then, instead of letting the worries tell us how powerful they are, we get to proclaim the goodness and power of God to those things that would trouble us. The third thing starts with L. List God's blessings. Count your blessings and thank God for them. Thank God for all he's done. When we remember what God has done to see us through to this day and to think about the victories that Jesus has already won for us in impossible situations, we can remember that God is not retired from the business of redemption. He didn't bring any of us this far to simply abandon us. Proclaim the goodness of God and let the faithfulness of Jesus equip our worries. Our fourth step Starts with an M, move towards God's peace. That makes calm if you're following along. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but it's the presence of God. It's not the absence of conflict, but it's the presence of God. I've got a sign in my office that simply reads, where might God be working in this? Where might God be working in this? And it's a very simple, constant reminder that no matter how out of control any specific circus seems to be, God is still in charge, and he has plans to shape us into the likeness of Jesus Christ, whatever's happening. How is God, who is present in my current situation, able to work through this situation to help you and me to respond like Jesus? I know sinful and sorrowful things still happen, and we get to grieve those things, but we can also find peace in the presence and purpose of God in our lives. Not everyone is so inclined, but when we get to view these situations through spiritual eyes, through the perspective of God, we have a whole new way of understanding. And that's a perspective that doesn't have to live in constant anxiety because we can trust that the God who has taken care of our every single need up until now will continue to take care of every future need. Can worry add a single moment to your life? No, but it can rob our lives of a lot of beautiful moments. So let's turn the worries over to God who calls us to a life that is true and abundant and eternal. Would you pray with me? Loving God, we are so grateful that when we stack up all of our stresses and all of our worries, when we pile up those things that trouble our hearts, and then we compare them to your goodness, your faithfulness, the grace that has helped us to overcome in times past, and the hope that you've given us to endure. Lord, the the worries and the stresses that we bring, they just pale in comparison. So God, help us to keep our eyes fixed on your goodness. Help us to remember all that you've done to see us through even impossible situations. To not worry ourselves with how big our troubles are, but to be reminded and assured by how great and mighty our God is. Lord, you give light to the stars of the universe. God, how, how can we do anything but hand our troubles and our anxieties to you and find comfort that you are walking with us and working through us to bring us peace. God, we thank you for this. We offer ourselves in gratitude, all in the powerful name of Christ our Lord. Amen.